0: I just, just, before I start my message here today, I, f- I, I just, um, the Lord's just been stirring something in my heart, and I, I believe that uh, many people here are aware that uh, there is a, a move of God that is happening in the U.S. right now, and I believe that it's uh, begun to hit a lot of, uh, started with Christian university campuses, it started in Kentucky at Osbury University, that They've been having um, gatherings and God moving for 12 straight days. It's spreading to other college campuses, even to the University of Kentucky, uh, which is a secular school. They're beginning to see uh, the, just the outpouring of what God wants to do. And we've been talking for a long time about the fact that believing that God is going to have a significant and special move on the earth. And I, I want to say this. I just really felt the Lord stirring a few things in my heart and my spirit to sh- share with you as a church. So some of you know this, some of you don't know this, uh, but I believe the Lord just told me to, to share that God hasn't forgotten about Canada. That God is getting ready to do something incredible in Canada. In fact, I've been asking the Lord about, God, how do you want to do this? How, where is it going to happen? And what I f- felt like the Lord was saying to me was that we— need to continually um, press into him and continue to seek him. And that that for some of you, you've been believing for this for a long time, and maybe you've grown a little bit weary in praying and believing for God to move. God is telling you to continue to press into him, continuing to dig in. And for some of you here today, you maybe have desired this, but God is saying it's going to require of each and every one of us that we would go deeper in him. That we would spend more time with him. That we It's not going to happen just because we uh, have frivolous prayers. It's going to happen because we have hungry, Jesus-centered, God-seeking prayer. That it begins to consume us and it begins to challenge you. I can tell you this right now. God has been waking me up at night to pray. God has been waking me up to do things. It will cost us something to see God move in a powerful way. If it's not going to just happen because of you know we want it to, it's going to happen because we press into him deeper. And so um, I'm going to have more to share on this in the in the weeks uh, to come here, because God is stirring some things up with me, and they're just a little bit undeveloped at this moment. But I believe we need to believe together for God to touch our nation. And I and I say this, I believe it's going to really be impactful with our students, our young adults, that we're going to see God do an incredible thing. Can I hear an amen Amen. for that? I also want to let you know uh, something that isn't been uh, announced yet that you can begin to put on your calendar, and that is that Mission Sunday is going to be happening on April the 2nd. It's actually going to be on Palm Sunday. Uh, We're going to be celebrating our missions. We're going to be celebrating... Our missionaries around the world, we're looking even to begin to add some more people that we support as a church for missions. And I'm going to encourage you to come that it's going to be a time of celebration. It's going to be a time of giving. We're going to believe God to raise support for our missionaries that God can do the work of the ministry around the world. But before that even happens, I want to let you know today I'm announcing to you that in a few weeks um, I'm going to be going with uh, another brother in our church to Nairobi, Kenya for a pastors conference and and to set in some new pastors for a church in Nairobi, Kenya. So I'm asking a few things that you would begin to pray for me and pray for that team I'm actually meeting uh, another one of our, our our church members, I don't want to say their name because uh, there's some things that could create tri- challenges for them, but one of our missionaries that's overseas is going to be there with me on the trip. I'll be able probably to share a little bit more afterwards. But I also want to, uh, if anybody God impresses it upon your heart, uh, to say, you know what, I'd like to be supportive of that trip, not only in prayer, but for the finances. Who here knows that to do missions work, it takes resources, And so I want to maybe have some of you pray, if God would put it in your heart to give to that, you could just add it to your missions, put Nairobi or whatever it is on the uh, the envelope, it would be greatly appreciated. And so we're going to begin to do more things like this as we are outside of where we've been restricted for so many years. Who here knows that the mission of God continues? The mission of God goes forward. Anyways, I want to get into my message that God has put in my heart to share with you today. And we're continuing our series called The Father's Heart. And the title of my message today is From Slaves to Sons. Now, I want you to know that includes daughters. And uh, I had a different title. I just didn't think it would go as well from divas to daughters. Did not have the same ring to it. It didn't quite have the same place there, but but what I believe today is God has a message for us about how we are his children. Now, one of the great blessings of my life has been the ability to travel to many places around the world. And many years ago, I was able to take a ministry trip to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. If you've never been to Louisiana, it's an incredibly, it's an incredible place because of its unique history as well as the diversity of its culture. It really is a meshing of so many different things. It's a cultural blend of of French culture with uh, African culture, British culture, uh, even Caribbean stuff, all mashed together. And there's also this really strange blend of Catholicism and voodoo uh, that is intertwined everywhere. So there's a lot of spirituality if you go into the Louisiana area. Now, the history of Louisiana harkens back to a dark time in North America when it was at the epicenter of the slave trade. And while I was on this trip, I experienced one of the most sobering things I've done in my life. I, went, I visited a slave plantation. And when I was there, you could feel the oppression everywhere, from the stifling heat <clears throat> to the cramped living quarters You could almost hear the cries of people who had lived their lives and died in that very place. Their whole existence was encapsulated in this small, eerie place. I want to say this today, that slavery is an ugly human condition. Whether it is the involuntary servitude that is placed on people by slave masters, by organizations or governments... Or the bondage that is produced internally or spiritually because of addiction or choices that people have made or unhealthy mindsets. Hold on here, man. Involuntary servitude is really the state of being under the oppressive control of something other than God. You see, we were never meant to be controlled in any areas of our life except by the Holy Spirit. But we were designed by our Heavenly Father to be free, to fulfill the purposes of God. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not again, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Amen. What? Do not submit again? Why, why would he say, do not submit again. Well, we have to understand this. When he uses the word submission, do you understand that submission is a choice that we make? Paul says, because you've been free, don't choose to return to slavery or to a slavery mindset. Don't give things that once, uh, that once controlled you the opportunity to control your future. Don't allow that to happen. So why would... Paul speak that to us, which I believe is a word for us here today because our nature many times seeks perceived comfort and the ease of servitude. You see, when you're a slave, you do not struggle with decisions because what you do what you're told to do. You obey the direction and the decision of your masters, whether your master is a person, your stomach, your wallet, or your impulses. You do what you are inclined to do without thought because in the moment it is easier and more comfortable than resistance. It is the issue that plagued the Israelites. If we remember the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt, they had been in slavery for over 430 years. The Egyptians were cruel and mean to them. They beat them, they whipped them, and they, they forced them to build their mighty projects. When you look at the pyramids and all of that structure, most of that, I believe, was built by the Israelites that were in Egypt. It was part of their slave labor that allowed that to happen. But then when Moses came on the scene, and through signs and wonders and, <clears throat> and miracles, he defeated the Egyptians and brought them to the entrance of the promised land. But there was a strange phenomena that happened. Every time they faced challenge or or, or they, they they were in a place that seemed that it was going to be difficult, or they, they, they faced a little bit of, of trouble, what would they do? They would complain to Moses and say, you know what, it would be so much better if we could just go back to Egypt. You know, there we had food, or there we had water, but what they forgot about was they were treated so poorly they didn't have any freedom in their life. They quickly forgot the forced labor and the Whips that they were beaten with so regularly. There's a statement that has been made you can take the slave out of Egypt, but it's hard to remove Egypt from the slave. What does that mean? It's, it's, why we struggle to let go of things that many times have controlled us. I, I mean, if we're all honest here, we probably have had some things, and maybe even still to this day, we have some things that can challenge us that we were like, you know what, I really, it's not really the best thing for me, but I kind of I struggle or I go back to things that I know that I probably shouldn't, aren't the best for me. I'm going to give you an example for myself. Um, I love to drink soda pop. In fact, those that know me know that I really like pop. In fact, many of you when I've visited your house have heard the stories and they open their fridge and like, here, Pastor Todd, here's some Dr. Pepper or some Coca-Cola. Because people know, they're like, man, he really likes that. Uh, And for many years, listen to this, I used to drink about two liters of pop a day. Woo! Wow, that kind of took things to a new level, didn't it? (laughs) Well, who here knows that drinking that much soda pop isn't good for you? And it's not good to me. In fact, in fact, here's what soda pop does in my life. It gives me heartburn. It raises my triglycerides, my doctors told me, to dangerous levels. It saps my energy and makes me feel sluggish. And here's what is so crazy. There are times I'm like, yes, I've I, I, I just i going to change this. I don't want to live with this anymore. And so I quit drinking pop, and guess what happens in my life? I feel better. Life is good. My triglycerides go down. I don't have heartburn, and I don't feel sluggish. But here's the hitch. All of a sudden, I'm out, and it's like, oh, I'm going on a trip. Man, I could really, man, I really would like a pop, and... So I start to drink it again. And I'll do great for a season, but at some point I decide to, to go back. Now I want you to know I'm getting better at it, but it's still something that's a challenge for me. Come on, I'm being real with you today, okay? Because sometimes we listen to these, these messages and we hear about those things and we're like, well, I'm not a slave to anything. Uh, you know what? We might want to look at our lives and say there might be some things that are that we have a hard time letting go of that we know that we should you see, Egypt is a symbol of being a slave to our sinful or carnal nature. And our carnal nature continually seeks things that are selfish or self pleasing. But the problem is that as we give into it, it seeks to take control of us and manipulate us, which is a form of slavery. And here's the sad truth we can be Christians and still be slaves. Oh, wow. That's, this doesn't sound encouraging, Pastor Todd. Yeah, we can be slaves to many things. I'm going to list a few other things here. We can be slaves to money. Ooh. Well, how, how, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, we, we feel the, the need that we have to have more stuff, or, or we become afraid that we will never have enough. And fear leads many people, and I've seen many relationships and family destroyed because people become workaholics, and they, they're just working, and they're striving for money, it controls them. They think about it. The, all of the things in their life revolve around it. Or they become fretaholics. Worry, 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 worry. I go, oh, it's just worry. And I've seen many people sacrifice relationships for resources. And it can lead to stinginess or a lack of generosity or punishing debt, purchasing things with credit, Both are destructive and they put people in bondage. See, debt is never your friend. (laughs) Don't ever let anybody fool you. The Bible declares that the borrower will always be slave to the lender and that the stingy will lose what they think that they have. What's another area we can become slaves to? How about slaves to affirmation? People-pleasing is a form of servitude. We don't think about it. Those under the control of affirmation bias need for all people to accept them because they don't want to disappoint people. They are afraid to say no to anything that they're asked to do. And so things pile up and pile up. And and I know it because I struggled with this for for a season in my life where, where you just are like, I can't say no because I don't want to let somebody down. I don't want to tell them that I can't be the superhuman being that they think that I am. Slave affirmation, usually, those who struggle with it, usually attribute criticism or correction to being rejected. Because they take everything as a personal attack. See, people-pleasing is a terrible taskmaster that God wants to deliver some of us from here today. And here's the last one I want to talk about. We can be slaves to pleasure We look to escape reality through self-pleasing, self-medicating activities. You see, whenever we turn to anything outside of God to fill a need or a void in our life, it inevitably leads to bondage or addiction. Now, the most obvious choices, the ones that get picked on the most are, oh yeah, alcohol, we know that, and drug abuse, those are not good. Even sexual, people can crave sexual encounters outside of what God has designed for them. But just as destruct- s- destructive can be an addiction to food or overeating. Video games. Hello. Social media. Yeah. All the girls are like, "Yeah, video game's terrible. Social media take. Hey, don't pick on me, man." <laughs> See, these areas are an escape. A temporary escape from reality, but they usually, if we are controlled by them, produce anguish and frustration and dependency on our life. Our feelings can be manipulated by any of these things. See, God never intended for us to be slaves, but instead called us to be his children through the spirit of adoption. Here's where things. there's more hope here today. Romans 8.15 says, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. You see, this means through the redemptive work of Jesus, we are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. God the Father has claimed us has claimed us and made us his own through adoption. And I believe we should thank God right here for that. If you are a child of God, if you are a son or a daughter of God, just give him some thanks right now. I think that's a good, this is a good moment. You are a child of God. Now we have to understand this, that when we talk about this word adoption, and Jesus was was speaking about this, he was he was sharing, Paul was writing about it in the book of Romans, that he was talking to, first of all, the Jewish culture. Now, inheritance in the Jew or sonship in the Jewish culture was sorry, I'm getting this turned around. Inheritance and legacy in the Jewish culture were based on sonship. The family name, family property, the legal authority to make all the decisions for the family were established to go to the firstborn son. If there was not a son, then the birthrights and inheritance would move to a brother, nephew, or other close male relative. Slaves, servants, and other outsiders, even those in the family circle, were not eligible for the rights of sonship. Sonship was only available through birth, and I'm going to come back to this in a second. So Paul's talking about this, and this would have been very, very difficult for those who had grown up in the Jewish culture to really understand this. He's saying, well, God has called us and adopted people into sonship. How can that be? This This is not something that we understand very well. But he also was living in the Roman culture, and in the Roman culture, adoption was a common and significant practice. You see, we understand some things that we've got from Roman culture, and that is In our current culture, we can write a will, pass on wealth or property to anyone we desire. But in the Roman culture, similar to the Jewish culture, a man had to pass on his wealth to his son or his sons. And if there were no sons, now listen to this, this is where it gets crazy, if there were no sons and the Roman man felt that his own sons were incapable of handling his wealth, he would have to adopt someone who he would make a worthy son could be a son-in-law, nephew, neighbor, even one of his servants, usually somebody that he was connected to. And here's what happened when they were adopted. According to Roman law, whoever the man adopted would have, first of all, listen to this, all his previous debts forgiven. So if you got adopted by a Roman leader, a Roman family, All of the debts you had now would be forgiven of you. He would receive a new name, the name of the person who adopted him. So his whole character, his whole heritage now would be based on that name, not on who people knew him to be before. He would be the full and legal son of his adopted father, and he would become the rightful heir to all of his adopted father's wealth and possessions. Now listen to this, this is something that just stuck out to me as I was studying this. A Roman father could disown his natural born son. Listen to this. But the adopted son, if that once the adoption took place, it was irrevocable. Hmm. What does this mean for us? <laughs> when we are born again, this is for the Jewish people accepted by Jesus' loves, forgiveness and leadership, we are now adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters with the rights and rewards of sonship. The things that God has for us, we're now no longer slaves. We've been adopted into his family. And because the Father loves us, we now have this relationship with God that is irrevocable through Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1.5, Paul writes, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God wants us to understand that we are no longer slaves, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. 2 Corinthians 6.18 states this, And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You see, there is power that comes from our relationship with God. Because we've been adopted into the family of grace, we are no longer viewed as outsiders, but have direct access to everything, uh, access to God and everything that he has provided for us. You see, when we know God loves us. We will see everything in the world differently around us. And I believe there are some people here today that you need to be reminded that, you, that God loves you. That today he wants to remind you that you are a son and, or a daughter of him and that he loves you. You see, when we live our lives through the filter of sons or daughters, uh, we see things differently. Sons and daughters respond to everything much differently than slaves do. So what do we do? How do we receive this? Well, we need to perceive ourselves differently. And there's a difference between slaves and sons. I want to give you three things here. First of all, slaves are motivated by fear of punishment. Sons are motivated by a love for relationship. When we first adopted our dog, I got to bring her up. You know, that she has just completely changed our whole family world, especially me. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of that, how we first got her. But when we first adopted her dog, we did not know what to completely expect with her. She was a five-pound bundle of fur, if you've never met Taffy, who the first couple weeks was incredibly quiet. I even wondered if she ever barked. She would sit on our couch In the living room, and had to be coaxed to eat. If we raised our voices, she would shake uncontrollably. And we discovered she was so afraid of being in trouble or disappointing us that she tried to be invisible. Now today, she's not like that at all. She's still kind, but now will bark if she needs something or feels she deserves something. And like any other member of the family, she shamelessly will demand a snack or extra pets if she feels like that's what she needed. Why? Here's what she needs to understand, and here's what I want you to hear today. Why? Because she knows that she is loved and part of the family. See, if we don't understand that God loves us, sometimes I've seen Christians, that they they try to make themselves invisible. Like, God, I just hope God doesn't see me. I hope God doesn't notice what's going on. I hope God doesn't see all the wrong things that I'm doing. Because if he sees it, he might reject me. He may say, you know, you you can't be a part of my family anymore. People become, they begin to act like slaves. You see, slaves are afraid to step out of line or make a mistake. Because they fear that they will be punished. Even worse, dismissed because they always feel like they're under judgment. They tend to stay away from authority and do what is necessary to avoid confrontation. So you see, those who struggle with a a slave mentality tend to see God as a harsh, vindictive being. (laughs) If I don't pray the right way or I don't pray enough, God will be disappointed with me. Can I tell you what? God's not disappointed with you. God loves you. God's just calling you to be more with him. Come join me. That's, that's the heart of the Father. If I make a wrong statement, I know something bad is going to happen to me. I know I've, I've even experienced this in my own life or where I began to have that slave mentality where if I, if I step out of line even for a minute, I say the wrong thing, God's going God's to get me. You see, when we know we are loved, we do not fear our heavenly Father, we run to him. We become less afraid to take risk because we know he is with us, that he is for us, that he's cheering us on. Did you know today that God, your father, is cheering you on, that he's cheering you on to, to be to be successful? He's cheering you on to, to grow in your life. He's cheering you on even when you're struggling and you're fumbling. He's cheering you on. He's just like a parent when their child is trying to walk. They're like, come on, even though they fall down, he's like, come on, you're going to make it. That is the heart of the Father. You can do it. And because of that, we can be real with him and we can share our weaknesses because we realize that he's here to cover us and protect us. And we realize it's okay to ask him for what we need and even, like my little five-pound chihuahua, what we want because he wants to provide for us and bless us. See, when you understand that you're a son or daughter of the most high God, we should, we should walk a little differently. We should walk with our heads held high. Maybe even have a little bit of swagger or confidence because we know that we belong to the creator of the universe and he loves us completely. Here's the second thing. Slaves perform duties. Sons perform acts of love. You see, when we know that we are loved by God, it impacts the way that we serve other people. You see, slaves do tasks because it's required of them. They do the minimum of what they're asked to do because they do not have ownership of things. Now, any of you that's ever been in employed in any type of organization or business, or, or maybe in school you've done a group project with people. Who here, who here likes group projects? Who here doesn't like it? I know that if you're a hard worker, you tend not to like them. If you're kind of not a hard worker, you like them. And the ones that are the hard workers don't like you. <laughs> See, we've all worked with that guy or That person that does the bare minimum, whether in school or on the job, haven't we? They never take the initiative to solve problems. They, you know, because everything is a duty, and they and those people become a drain on everyone else. And what they do not realize is that they will always be stuck in low-level positions of service. Why? Because they never take ownership for anything. Can I give you some career? Life-defining advice: Don't be that person. Don't not be a bare minimumer. <laughs> take on a whatever is needed attitude. This mindset will take you to greater and higher places. I promise you. You see, sons are different. They see serving differently because they have they have love because of the love they have received and uh, because they have received love, they look at. Every task is an opportunity to release love. They see service as a blessing to be shared with others. What can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I make things better for you? You see, because I am so filled with the love that my Father has given me, I can't wait to help people regardless of the situation or the circumstances. You see, when we are, feel that love and we realize as a daughter of God, as a son of God, that, that, that he loves us, we don't care if we actually receive recognition for what we do because it doesn't matter, we just want to please the Father. True daughters and sons of God knows that he sees all the things that we do and he is the rewarder of those that love him and are called according to his good purposes. I believe this if you have not received That kind of love, you cannot give that kind of type of love. Here's my last thing that I want to share before I close. Slaves blame others, sons take ownership. Now, when the kids were younger, i got to say this, they would rarely take responsibility for anything. If there was a problem, they would blame each other or someone else. In fact, I believe this, we had a fifth member of our family And it wasn't the dog. The name of that person was, I don't know. (laughs) Who spilled the juice on the floor? I don't know. How come all your pillows, how come your room is a mess? What happened here? I don't know. Uh, This was actually happened. Where are your pants as we're picking you up from school? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know was responsible for many unsolved crimes and mysteries in our family. <laughs> you see, the, the reality is, is when we, we, we are not, we don't see ourselves properly, we, we tend to blame others for our own actions or weaknesses. You see, you see, sons know that when they take ownership or responsibility for their actions, it opens the door for Grace. It not only allows for deeper relationship with the Father, but it releases trust. Trust to be able to handle not only greater responsibilities, but listen to this, but greater blessings and provision. You see, because of relationship, God has released greater authority for his daughters. You see, everything God has is appropriated for you. It belongs to you. I love what it goes on to say in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. It says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, here's the hard part, we sometimes must also Share in his suffering. As I close today, I want to share this story. When I was born, I was born in a home for unwed mothers. My mother and my dad obviously had some challenges. a uh, and because my mom got pregnant out of wedlock, she was pushed to give me up for adoption. Thankfully, in 1969, abortion was not an option because that would have been my story. You see, the goal for her was they sent her to this home, and and, and which was quite common in that time for women who got pregnant outside of marriage. They would go away and then... A few months later, come back, and people would just kind of go on with life. That was kind of what they did. So my mom went to this this special home, and at that home, she was given a fake name, as well as a fake address so that she could actually send and receive mail from her family so that nobody could track or find out where she was at. And because of the arrangements, when I was born, I was immediately taken from the birth room and separated from my mom. She was never allowed to hold me because that was part of the agreement. Now she tells me that as she was recovering, she would often go by the nursery with all of the unnamed babies, wondering which one might be hers. Now obviously I know she had a change of heart because she reclaimed me, but what I only recently discovered was that I was placed in a home for over two weeks with a new family. The family loved me, she said, and they planned to adopt me. In fact, she says that when she went to retrieve me, she had to go to their house, and they were heartbroken and devastated when they had to give me back to my family. Today I'm thankful that not only was I reclaimed by my mom, but I've been claimed by God, my heavenly Father. Listen to this. Because I have been born again, I am a son by both birthright and adoption. Even though I've been saved for almost 40 years, there are seasons that I've struggled with a little bit of that slave mentality. Sometimes it's been subtle, other times more obvious. However, through Jesus, I have found freedom and continue to find freedom. I know that I am a son and I'm not a slave. I know that I'm loved and I've never been abandoned. I understand that I am blessed and that I am also a blessing. I say this today for every single person that is listening to this message that the heart of the Father is that God has claimed or reclaimed you as his son or daughter. He has chosen you, and he has called you out of slavery. The truth is this, is that we all at times have a little bit of Egypt left in us, things that we tend to hang on to, things that tend to pull us down, keep us from really experiencing the full measure of freedom that God has for us, that don't allow us to fully walk in the calling that God has for us. But I'm here to tell you today that God is here to release us because he is your father. He loves you. The father's heart is that you would be free in every single area of your life. And in this moment right now, I'm asking God, If you would just take a moment with him to ask the Lord, is there anything that doesn't belong in my life? Is there anything that I'm holding on to? Is there any fear that I have? Anything that's trying to control you? I just pray right now by the presence of God that God would just speak to your heart. Some of you have been so consumed with worry. Some of you have struggled with affirmation, just looking to be affirmed. God today says, I want to affirm you. I affirm you. Lord, I pray for every single person that is here today, God, that you would just take this time by your Holy Spirit to, to show them anything in their life that is, that is causing them, to, that's trying to control them, that is manipulating them, that is harming them. God, I pray right now by the name of Jesus, they would just give it to you. Just give it to God. Receive his love. Receive his forgiveness.